Welcome to the Baseball America Pro Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Uh, we've got Kyle Glazer here. Uh, he is actually not here in the, the studio. He's with joining us from San Diego, where he yesterday was at, uh, I guess it was an instructional league game, technically, uh, between the Rangers and the Padres. A, a time for, for them to bring their, both teams to bring uh, you know, a collection of, of prospects together uh, in Petco Park and kind of show off the, the future of those two franchises. And Kyle, I mean, just can you, I, I know they um, have been doing this for a, a couple years now, but can you just kind of tell us like what that was all about? And I, I know they also, you know, kind of renamed the, the game as well. So can you uh, just tell everyone uh, kind of what the backstory of that was? Yeah, absolutely. So a few years ago, uh, the Padres and Rangers came together and decided, you know, why not hold this, you know, this game at Petco Park where you can give a lot of your top prospects at the end of instructional league just the experience of being in a big league clubhouse, being in a big league stadium, and really showcase them on a, on a, on a bigger stage than just you know, a backfield in Peoria or a surprise somewhere. Uh, the Rangers and Padres did this, particularly those two teams, because there's a lot of relationships with the front office. A.J. Preller, Chris Kemp, uh, a lot of the main guys that are in the Padres front office came over from the Rangers. They all, you know, all the guys in, in both systems really know each other well and have for years. So uh, this was the third year they've done it. And each year, I mean, you see guys who are, are really, really promising. You know, previous years, guys who are now in the big league, like Luis Urias and Fran Mel Reyes were taking part in it. And both teams bring their big prospects. It's not like they bring, you know, the guys that are ranked number 28 through 30 on our list. I mean, you had most of the Rangers' top 10 position player prospects there. A lot of the Padres' top arms were there. It's a really cool thing, and then this year uh, they renamed it. It used to be called the On Deck Classic, uh, you know, kind of teasing to uh, the future and what comes next. Uh, this year they renamed it the Don Welke On Deck Classic. Uh, Welke was, you know, obviously a renowned scout in baseball for well over 50 years. He worked for the Rangers uh, previously. He worked for the Padres most recently. Uh, died last week uh, at age 75, and... Uh, just speaking with A.J. Preller, who's one of his, you know, protégés, uh, as well as a couple of individuals in the Rangers front office, everyone kind of came together and said, you know, this is a no-brainer. You know, Don Welke uh, was in the front offices for many, many, many years, did a lot of stuff at the big league level, but his real passion was, was scouting and grassroots baseball and finding the kids at age 18. And it just made too much sense, you know, this game featuring, you know, 18-year-old next-level type prospect guys, the two organizations he's worked for most recently. Uh, so they renamed it the Don Welke On Deck Classic and, and really did a great job. They had a video montage celebrating his life. His name was plastered all over the ballpark. They had uh, his grandkids came out through the first pitch. You know, it was, it was really a celebration of, of Don Welke and, and the life he lived. And, you know, as AJ said, he, he loved this game. He was there the last two years, and, and he would have loved it again uh, last night. So it was a really special, touching moment. And, kind of appropriate way to honor a baseball and prospect lifer. Yeah, Don Welke, one of the, the scouting greats, spent a lot of time working with Pat Gillick, I know, in Toronto. And, uh, I mean, he's just been all over the place uh, for the last uh, last several decades in baseball. Um, so, Kyle, let's, let's get into some of these players you saw. Bubba Thompson, Rangers, one of the Rangers' better prospects. Uh, you know, he hits a, a home run and uh, that's a guy that's super athletic. Um, he at one point was committed to, to Troy to play quarterback before changing his mind and deciding he wanted to be a baseball player. And 
Uh, so far, it looks like that decision has paid off pretty well. He went out in the draft really well a year ago uh, and had a nice year uh, in, in the Sally League and is capping off the, his first full pro season in a, kind of a spectacular fashion. Yeah, you know, he had a really, really good run. You mentioned the Sally League. Um, I think the most impressive thing about Thompson is, is look, we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. A lot of these guys don't have the strength yet to hit a home run out of Pegville Park at night. I mean, the ball does not travel there. And if you want to talk about impactful contact, you know, on this Rangers lineup that had Leody Tavares and J.P. Martinez and Anderson DeHaye and all these other guys who are ranked really high in the Rangers system, Bubba Thompson made the most impactful contact of anyone on the field last night in terms of, at least among the Rangers prospects. Um, you know, second at bat, he got a hanging breaking ball. And he did what he should. He hit it, I mean, a mile, but it's Petco Park. It was the left center field gap. It was night, and the ball fell. But even just that long fly out, it opened your eyes a little bit, the explosiveness, the power this guy has. Then he steps up in the bottom of the eighth, and it's twofold, right? It's a tie game, 3-3. There's a runner on third, and talking to him after, you know, he was very aware of the situation. It's, hey, I just want to put a ball in the air and get it deep. He wasn't trying to be a hero he wasn't trying to you know save the day it was just hey let's get something out he'll get that run home and he got a 98 mile an hour fastball up over the plate and he showed you know a the bat speed to go get it and by the way he's a low a guy and he was doing this against a guy who you know throws 98 high a is going to be in double a next year um and he hit this thing i mean you want to talk about majestic moonshot home runs i mean this was almost to the second deck in petco which you won't find many 18, 19-year-olds who can do that. Um, it's a really it's an impressive display with him. You know, he's still a raw athlete. He struck out twice. You see there's things to work on, but he was on time. He had good at-bats. He, you know, hit a game-winning home run. He almost went yard another time. Explosive athlete. Um, this, was, this was really good to see because you mentioned he was a football guy. He was a raw guy in a lot of ways, but he, he didn't put up the numbers of a raw guy this year and, and even talked to him after the game. You know, I, I didn't have time to fit this in the story, but he mentioned he's starting to feel more comfortable. You know, he's never been a year-round baseball player before, and just the extra focus he's able to put onto baseball, he's starting to feel more comfortable, more confident, like, hey, this is I'm, I'm picking some extra stuff up here pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, the, he's kind of this classic Rangers pick. He's like this big, raw, toolsy guy that has a lot of upside that now they have to develop. And, uh, you know, at times they've been really good at developing those kinds of players. Their player development system obviously does a, a pretty solid job of that. And, and if, uh, if they can get him, you know, as he, as, like you said, like, like he said, um, you know, just as he gets more use to the baseball aspect of this all, I mean, you would figure he, he's a guy that, um, you know, he, the swing and miss is worrisome, but like, he hasn't played that much baseball. You figure as he gets more used to that, he can probably, he's the kind of guy that might be able to cut that down. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and again, the thing is, you know, and we can leave into this little, you know, a little bit later, but the Padres were just bringing out gas. Every arm they threw out there was just bringing, pumping heat. And look, he did swing and miss through a 94 mile an hour fastball, which, hey, it happens. But he was on time. At no point did he look overmatched. You know, there were no bad swings there. Um, you know, again, he showed the ability, you know, when he got a breaking ball mistake, he crushed it. When he got a fastball over the plate, he crushed it. 
I mean, just to be frank, you know, again, it's one game. You don't want to, you know, make any definitive, you know, crazy forever type statements about it. But for this one game at least, he was the best player on the field for the Rangers, more way beyond anything Leody Tavares or J.P. Martinez showed you in the box. And, you know, Tejeda made some really good plays defensively. But in terms of the guy who had the best swings and the best at-bats and the most impactful contact, and, oh, by the way, was a, was a pretty impressive athlete in the outfield as well, I mean, Bubba Thompson was the guy, and, and I even texted uh, while it was happening uh, a Rangers front office official just like, I said, hey, Bubba Thompson, wow. And his exact quote was, he's going to be a star. I mean, there, there's a lot to like about Bubba Thompson when you take into what he did last year, what he showed in the big league park last night. Um, I, I think that, like you said, as he gets more experience, he's already trending in the right way. You expect him to continue trending in the right way. and there's a real chance the Rangers hit on this uh, first-round pick from a year ago. Absolutely. And you mentioned we want to get into the Padres pitching, and we do. But first, you also mentioned J.P. Martinez and Leody Tavares, who you're saying kind of got overshadowed. I mean, just those are kind of two big, big names, of course, in, in the Rangers system. And, I mean, what, what did they show you uh, or, or the group uh, that was there? What, what did they show last night? Sure. So Leody Tavares, um, unfortunately, he's just kind of shown you the same thing he's shown you last year in Hickory, and or two years ago in Hickory, and last year in Down East. There's just not a lot of strength there. You know, he's he, he looks the part, right? He's big, he's long, but you watch him. You know, he controls the strike zone well. He only struck out once when everyone else was striking out twice, but it's just not a lot of impact on the baseball. Um, you know, it's it's so again, you watch Bubba Thompson, it's a fast swing. It's, it's an explosive swing. Leone, it's a little more you know, rhythmic, but, but you notice it's not really explosive. He just kind of gets the bat to the ball. And you know, his sing- he did have an RBI single to tie the game last night, but it was kind of a floating duck that kind of fell into that hole right in between you know, shallow center where the second baseman shortstop and center fielder are charging. Um, Again, you know, you, you see the body, you see the youth, and you say, okay, you know, you're kind of still waiting for it to click, but it's been two years now, and you're just not seeing that click happening. Again, maybe it comes next year. I'm not saying this kid isn't a good prospect. He is. But I, I do think it's meaningful when, you know, I saw him in Hickory two years ago. I saw him at Down East last year, er, this season. I saw him at Petco tonight, and in every single one of those games, He's never been the best player on the field, and for a guy that's supposed to be the number one prospect in the system, it's a little it's a little disconcerting. So one thing that's interesting about him and Bubba is that they're essentially the same age, and he's a year advanced in the system. But yeah, you know, I mean those kinds of things can get caught up pretty quickly. Yeah, and again, look, uh, there's there's no question if if Bubba Thompson doesn't fix the strikeout issues and Leody has a strength you know increase here in the next year or two, and Leody Tavares ends up the better player, no one should be shocked. You know, it's just right now, I, you know, I, I think it is noticeable when you're watching the game and you say, hey, who's the guy doing the most, having the most impact on the field? And, you know, Bubba Thompson very much did so more than Leody Tavares. Um, you know, J.P. Martinez is kind of in the middle of those two, uh, looked better than Leody, did not look as good as Bubba. You know, he's one of those guys, every time his first three at-bats he got up there, he tried to put down a bunt. He's trying to be that speed, get on base. It was almost like a very better revere type of approach, put the ball on the ground and try and beat something out. His first, you know, he signed out of Cuba, big-name signee. 
did not play well in the Northwest League, and you say, okay, you know, first year U.S., um, you know, you come out, you see him, and to be honest, I talked to a couple people last night who saw him in the Northwest League, and they all said that what he showed last night was kind of what he showed up there, which was he's fine, but he's really not all that spectacular. And you saw a little bit of that last night where, you know, he tries to lay down bunts his first two ABs, doesn't do it, and then swings through 95. I mean, there was, there was you know, pitches, again, good velo, but they were over the plate being thrown to him. He couldn't catch up to any of them, where, again, Bubba Thompson did. Diaz Bell Arias did. Um, he was behind on, on 94-95 uh, in the strike zone pretty consistently. You know, third AB, he got to bunt down for a sacrifice. It was good situational baseball, but, you know, this is supposed to be a speed guy, and he's fast, but he doesn't fly. You know, he laid down that bunt, and he also had a, a chopper back, you know, over the pitcher's head that um, the pit uh, shortstop uh, had to you know, charge in on Gabriel Ayers and make a running throw. It was a nice play, but... You know, they got him by, they got Martinez by, you know, a good couple steps both times. So I think, you know, J.P. Martinez going into next year, I think will be interesting because, look, he's had a long year. He moved from Cuba. He went to the Northwest League. It's been a long season. But I think considering what I was hearing last night talking to some people at the game, that he was good but didn't really wow you at any point this season. And you kind of saw that yesterday, like, okay, you know, he's, he can run a little bit, and, and, you know, he can maybe play some small ball for you, but you didn't see anything all that impactful, and I think it'll be really, at least offensively. Defensively, he played a really nice left field. Uh, but offensively, I think, given the hype and whatnot, you were kind of hoping to see more, and we'll see if he can really pick it up next year with his first full year in the U.S. And he's going to need to, because next year he'll be 23. So, I mean, the it, it, all of what you're saying about you know getting acclimated in year one is important, but next year is is definitely a big year for him, uh, like you're saying. So these Padres, you've mentioned a couple times, there's a lot of velo out there. They like their big, powerful young arms, and they had several on display last night. Four guys came out: Reggie Lawson, Michelle Bias, Darren Feldes, Andres Munoz. Not a single fastball thrown by any of them was slower than 93 miles an hour the entire night, which is insane to see from minor league arms. You know, you compare it to the Rangers staff, they had a lot of guys. You saw a lot of 90s, 91. You saw some 95s, but that's pretty standard for young, developing 18, 19, 20-year-old pitchers. You know, they'll show you the 93, or the 94, 95, but the sit-low 90s are still growing, right? Reggie Lawson, who I saw earlier this year in 93, 94, comes out since 95 to 96 the whole way through. Michelle Baez was the slowest guy of all of them. He threw the one fastball at 93 and then sat 94, 95 the rest of the way. Darius Valdez comes out and it's 97 to 98. And then for the big finale, Andres Munoz, your 19-year-old Mexican flamethrower, sits 9,900. Doesn't throw a fastball slower than 99. His final pitch of the night gets 102. I mean, you know, talk about high-octane arms and velocity and you know, the Padres, uh, they have a lot of good players in their system. And they have good pitchability arms like Logan Allen. We saw Joey Lucchese and Eric Lauer come up last year, those lefty, you know, pitchability guys. But uh, the, the amount of octane that they have from their 21-year-olds in their system, I don't think can be matched by, by any other system in, in, in the minors. And, and not just these guys throw hard. They throw hard. They throw strikes. You know, the Padres pitchers allowed a total of five hits last night. Um, two of them were dinky little singles that 
you know, were lucky. And then there was two hard singles by Diaz Valerius, and then Bubba Thompson's home run in the eighth. I mean, this is real velo that plays in the strike zone, and um, it's it was really impressive to see. And some of them were like this wasn't just an inning or two necessarily for a guy like Reggie Lawson, right? They they did it wasn't just a, a flat out showcase environment. Right. No, Lawson went out through four pitches, through pitched four innings, two hits, one walk, seven strikeouts, and he was still touching ninety six at the end of the fourth. And the other thing with him that was impressive. So the the book on Reggie Lawson this year and really last couple of years is projectable, big guy, you can see the fastball, changeup was really good this year when he started throwing it, but his curveball was just too slow, it was 72 to 74, he'd show you some at 77, 78, but it just didn't have enough on it. Goes to Instructs this year and learns to throw a slider, he never threw it before Instructs this year, he comes out in this game and he's pumping 84, diving off the outer edge to right-handed batters, they're swinging over, I mean, this was really the first time he threw it in this type of environment. He was landing it for strikes. He was getting swings and misses on it. Now, all of a sudden, the Reggie Lawson you saw earlier this summer that was sit 93 with a deep, with a, with a good changeup, but not really a great breaking offering. All of a sudden, he's holding 95 to 96 into the fourth inning with a dirty slider and showcasing a hard change. I mean, his scouting grade just went up half a grade, if not more. Um, it was impressive. And then Michelle Baez, who Struggled with his mechanics and, and his control a lot earlier this year. Uh, was down to 90 to 94 at some times. Held 94, 95 through full three innings of work. It was very important with him. Stayed on, on direction with landing his slider at 82, 85 in the strike zone. You know, yeah, these guys were, you know, it wasn't just one inning pumping. They were holding their velocity. They were mixing their pitches. They were attacking all parts of the strike zone. You know, the Rangers were rolling out, you know, a different guy every inning. The Padres were treating this, you know, a little more like, hey, here's four, here's three, and then we'll get one and one for your relievers. And they held it. It was really impressive to watch. Yeah, and so you mentioned the the Rangers pitching a little bit there, and and, uh, Cole Wynn is kind of the top guy uh, there uh, from their perspective. This year's first-round pick, does this count as a homecoming for him? Cole Wynn, of course, uh, pitched his senior year in Southern California, but – previously uh, more of a Colorado guy. Yeah, I mean, it's about an hour from uh, Petco to Olu, maybe maybe an hour 15. So, uh, you know, you could definitely make it down. I don't know if I'd call it a homecoming. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Cole was, you know, someone who obviously had a great year. Uh, the Rangers did not let him throw in the AZL. You know, they signed him and, and he didn't pitch. Uh, they kind of held him back. So it was a pleasant surprise to, to see him come out and pitch in a game environment. Um, you know, again, this is a kid who was, you know, in high school, you know, graduating three months ago. Um, so you don't want to go, you know, too crazy. He was 91-93. He had showed you some 95s and 96s in high school uh, this season. You didn't see that. It was just one inning of work, uh, 91-93. He was throwing what the scoreboard was identifying as an 83 to 85 mile an hour changeup. It was kind of hard to tell from the press box if that's really what it was. Um, but, you know, 91-93. And, and I think what you took away from Cole Wynn's outing was just the fortitude. Um, he struggled to throw strikes, uh, only eight strikes in 20 pitches, walked a couple of guys, but when he bounced back, he, he walked two guys, had two on, one out, couldn't find the strike zone, battled back to strike out Jason Rosario on a 93-mile-an-hour fastball, and Rosario was a very good prospect, and then got out of it with a flyout. Um, and I think anytime you're looking at a kid who was in high school a couple months ago, and He's on this big stage in a major league stadium, and he's running into trouble playing against guys older than him, and 
he's able to find a way to get out of it when he doesn't have his best stuff. I mean, that, that, that's encouraging to see. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that, you know, this is a guy that, um, you know, was the 15th overall pick just a few months ago. I mean, that, that, and, and you're talking about guys, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of lower-level guys, but not necessarily, like, just signed a couple months ago, guys. We've talked about a lot of, like, the premier guys here, um, the guys that, that a lot of fans from these organizations would know, uh, or even fans of baseball and, you know, prospects in general. I mean, Cole Wynn was a very prominent draft name, and, you know, to guys like that are, are, are more well-known. But what about some of these sleepers uh, for, that emerged for you yesterday? Who, who stood out that maybe you didn't know as much about? So we talk about 22-year-old Cubans in the Northwest League with, with J.P. Martinez. Diosville Arias, uh, an infielder in the Rangers, is another 22-year-old Cuban in the Northwest League. He signed last year, and he had a great year up there. And you come in last night and you watch him. He had a hard line drive single to left for an RBI off of one of Lawson's fastballs in his first A.B. Later in the game, he had a hard liner the other way to right field. So you see a guy lining the ball hard to all fields catching up to velocity, was one of only two Rangers to not strike out in the game. The Rangers struck out 11 times in the first seven innings. This guy was one of only two who didn't whiff. You know, this is a good bat. I mean, you, you talk, you know, you get good at bats, and all the things you want to see, you look at the track record, you look at, at you know, catching to velocity, swinging at good pitches, you know, using the whole field. This is a good player. Um, again, he's older, you know, you want to see him go up and start facing some more age-appropriate competition. But, you know, again, he's 22. He was facing guys, you know, Lawson and Baez and Valdez, who, are all, who all were in high A this year. And then Andres Munoz is in double A. He held his own against all of them. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, he's not a big name. But if you were to tell me that a few years from now, Dios Arias is having a, a more successful career than some of these other big-name guys, I believe it because he shows you the ability to, to really genuinely hit, which you haven't seen from some of the other guys uh, who are even similar aged. Um, and on the Padres side, now, Tucapita Marcano is someone that Padres prospect junkies really got to know this year. Uh, his dad, Raul, is a very famous baseball player in Venezuela. Uh, Tucapita uh, came over you know, as part of that huge $80 million international class a few years ago, signed for only 320 k uh, but this year came out and, you know, hit almost 400 in the AZL, went up to Tri-City, continued to hit. Um, it's, you know, skinny, 18-year-old, left-handed. It's kind of a compact swing, keeps his hands in really close to his body. But the dude just keeps the barrel in the zone all the time. And it leads to a lot of contact. Two for three last night, had a line drive double the other way, uh, walked twice, you know, based on some good Rangers arms, like AJ Alexi. Uh, one of their better prospects. So, you know, he's 18, he's left-handed, he's a good athlete, and he he knows the strike zone, he keeps getting the barrels of the baseball over and over and over again. That's a really good foundation to have, and he's someone that, that you know, again, Padres prospect junkies kind of, kind of know, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there who think he actually has a chance to be the best position player out of that entire Padres international signing class, which is saying something because they signed the numbers two, four, and six players in that entire class. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's, a, that's an organization that really goes after international talent. So, you know, yeah, they're going to get high-end guys, but I know they also feel confident that they can find some of these gems and, um, 
you know, you know that AJ Preller's out there looking for him, and, and his whole staff is going to be looking for him, and um, not surprising that they might have hit on one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, he, he has bloodlines, which which the Padres love. Their bloodlines of ex ex pros. Um, and, and again, I, there's there's work to be done. He's 18. He's still pretty skinny. There's a lot of growth ahead, but. Uh, again, you know, that left-handed swing, and again, it's not like the most picturesque thing in the world, but, you know, again, his hands are close to his body, he, he controls the zone, and something to be said for a guy who just keeps barreling baseballs up, and, and you know what, if he continues to keep hitting, there's some people who think there's a plus hitter in there, not everyone agrees with that, but if you have a left-handed plus bat playing the middle infield, that, that's a heck of a prospect, and the Padres, there's a good chance they got one at Marcana. Well, the Padres are not on the playoff picture. I <laughs> um, hope they will be, and that's what they're banking on with these guys they threw out there last night. Yeah, I mean, both of these teams are, are hoping to get back uh, close to that. But as we get into this, this weekend, we've got the final weekend of the big league regular season. And uh, for, for the AL, it's all pretty well set. I think it's all actually set. The Yankees' magic number, I guess, is uh, one to host the wild card game, and literally everything else is set. The NL is not quite that way, and um, of course the East is clinched with the Braves, and I think that is the only thing that is it is decided going into these final few games. And so when we look at this, we, we see the the Central. Uh, you got the Cubs uh, leading the way, but the Brewers are just a game behind, and the Cardinals are still fighting for a playoff spot. The West, the the Rockies have that one game edge on the Dodgers. They're both in the mix for the final wild card if they don't win. Kyle, as you look into this weekend, what are you watching with this uh, as we, we approach the finish line? I, mean, I think the most compelling is that the Giants have a chance to ruin the Dodgers' season. Yes. The Dodgers are a game back of the Rockies right now. They're going to San Francisco for a three-game series. The Giants have nothing to play for except to ruin the Dodgers' season. I think that will be the most compelling series, just because while the Cubs and Brewers are fighting it out for the division, and that's extremely important, we know no one really wants to play in that one-game wildcard game, um, you know, the Dodgers and Rockies, nothing's been decided. Both those teams are fighting for their postseason lives, and for me, the West is a little more compelling for that reason, and just knowing you know, all the storylines with, with the Dodgers, and, and they're going to go up to San Francisco and face Madison Bumgarner, Especially the fact that they're, you know, the defending uh, national league champions got to game seven a year ago, and now they're faced with possibly finishing out of the playoffs. And I think that's the most compelling storyline. And related to that, you know, the Rockies have never won a division in 25 years as a, as a franchise, 26 seasons. They've never won a division title. They got swept by the Dodgers uh, a, a little while back, and everyone thought their season was done. And all they've done since is win every game they've played, and, and often by quite a lot. So. I think for me, the West is is going to be the most exciting. But at the same time, I'm known as a West Coast homer, so uh, that you are. That you definitely are. Um, the I mean, the, the the Central is is probably the most interesting because the Cubs and the Cardinals uh, are playing each other, and the fact that you have that head-to-head matchup, and those are two fan bases that don't like each other. I don't know how much the teams like each other right now either. Uh, you know, the Giants. Dodgers is absolutely fascinating because that is one of baseball's absolute best rivalries. And you know Madison Bumgarner is going to be fired up to go and um, all the rest of that. But, it, you know, it is with the, with the Cubs and the Cardinals going at it, I, I think that's really interesting. But at the same time, you have the Brewers lucking out and playing the Tigers. And so you have the, 
it's just interesting that, that the Cubs and the Cardinals are both fighting these very important games, fighting for their lives in, in the Cardinals' case and for the postseason, Cubs trying to finish off a division, and then the Brewers are at home against a Tigers team that totally could be checked out. And, you know, unlike, um, you know, the, the, the Dodgers and the Giants, there's no tight, I mean, the Tigers and the the Brewers used to be in the same division 20 years ago, but um, actually, I guess that's not even true because the Tigers were probably in the East and the Brewers were in the West. You know, but there, there's nothing there, and, and the Tigers don't have a guy like Bumgarner uh, to to go out and, and lead the charge and say, you know, we still want to finish this strong. I mean, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but you know, it, it's devoid of that that rivalry aspect that you got out on the West Coast, which it keeps the Giants, um, you know. Fighting hard to the finish, uh, especially being at home in in San Francisco. No question, and and I do think with the Brewers as well. You know, this is a team that they went for it. You know, in every way, shape, and form before the season in terms of you know trading you know four prospects for Christian Yelich, you know signing you know a, a, a center fielder in his thirties, and you know I, I think sometimes the people who are really into prospects and youth go, oh man, you know. You know, trading four top prospects and signing a guy in his 30s, that those aren't going to work. But Lorenzo Cannon and Christian Yelich are studs, and they've been absolutely worth it. And, and the Brewers are here because they deserve to be. I mean, this is a, a team that has pitched well. They've gotten good contributions offensively. They've performed all season long. This is not a fluke. And, you know, it, it, with that bullpen, I think right now, any I would imagine most teams are hoping that the Tigers can pull an upset. Because, you know, you don't want to have to deal with that bullpen, you know, over a, a five-game series or a seven-game series. Uh, it'll be interesting. And as far as the Cubs and Cardinals, you know, it's been pretty even between those two teams this year. Uh, the Cardinals have actually beaten the Cubs uh, nine, nine, nine times out of 16 this year. So Cardinals lead the season series 9-7. to seven. Um, This run has been 85-81. to 81. I mean, it's, it's been neck and neck between the Cubs and Cardinals. And you're right, those two fan bases don't like each other. It's going to be fun, and to me, this is the the most fun part of baseball: the pennant chase, the final weekend. You know, rivalries, teams still trying to you know not just figure out where they're going to be in the postseason, but if they're going to be there at all. Uh, this this is baseball at its best, and uh, I know I know mostly everyone will be glued to their TV this weekend as they should be. Yeah, and it's it's just kind of crazy when you look at the American League, where everyone can just play this weekend how they want to play it from a playoff perspective. Like, if you want to rest your guys, that's fine. If you want them to ramp up because uh, you know they're going to have days off next week, that's fine too. And uh, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how each team manages it. And I suppose some of it depends whether you're the Yankees and the A's, knowing that you have to play this one game, versus the Red Sox, Indians, and Astros, knowing that you have until Friday uh, to get ready. The, the NL teams do not have that. Not even the Braves can do that because you know they presumably would want home field advantage in the NLCS if it came to that, and they're still playing for that. So, I it's going to be a fun weekend, you know. And honestly, I wouldn't be stunned if the NL MVP race. I don't know if you agree with this, Kyle, but the NL MVP race might be decided this weekend. I know a lot of people are leaning Yelich right now, but if say Carpenter hit like four home runs this weekend and the Cardinals make the playoffs. I, mean, I feel like that—that's the kind of thing that would weigh pretty heavily on some voters' minds, knowing how tight that race is right now. No question. Or if you know, Javi Baez comes out and you know hits a couple of game-winning balls and makes a game-saving catch at some point, which is always a possibility. You're right, and you know that's what's fun about this. It's—it's it's 
really talented players that are going to you know make decisive you know plays for their teams and it certainly wouldn't be the first time a player has won or lost the NMVP award in the final week and you're right especially that you know Yelich, Bias, and uh, and Carpenter are all in it and heck maybe even if Nolan Arenado comes out and you know hits six bombs in three games to lock up the division the other guys you know struggle a little bit and you see a surprise that there is a lot to be decided this weekend and. I, I completely agree. I still, you know, I don't have an NL MVP vote this year. If I did and I was casting it today, it would go to Christian Yelich. But, you know, check back Monday because you're right. A lot can change. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I hope you guys do check back to Baseball America uh, next week. We'll have plenty of content, uh, some of it uh, related to the playoffs, I'm sure, and others of it definitely uh, more on the prospect side. So hopefully something for everyone. We're continuing to roll out our league top 20s. Um, Next week we'll be into the uh, the low low A's I believe or maybe there's still some, I guess there's still some high A and low A next week so the A ball the lower lower levels working our way all the way down to the the complex leagues eventually um, and you can check all of those out at baseballamerica.com the ones that have been posted so far um, and make sure to, uh, to to you can get the chats uh, I know our, our prospect writers love chatting with the with our subscribers about these lists and. Who missed and, and who uh, you know who who impressed them uh, throughout the season? So you can get all of that over at baseballamerica.com, and of course, uh, pretty soon we'll be rolling out the team top tens for all 30 teams, and that'll take us uh, you know up until the the handbook, which you can already pre-order at baseballamerica.com/store. And then of course we'll uh, we'll be back here with more pro uh, another pro podcast next week. Uh, and, and you can, we'll be talking a lot about the playoffs then as, as uh, things really get going with the division series late in the week. So make sure you, uh, you subscribe so you can continue to, to get that on your, your favorite podcast app and rate and review because uh, that helps the, uh, the other people find us, the algorithms like the, uh, like the rates and the reviews and certainly the subscriptions as well. And we, we like the reviews because we like to see what you think of it. So thank you to, uh, to Kyle. Uh, for, for telling us all about the, these uh, Rangers and these Padres prospects. And we'll have, uh, we'll have a whole new podcast for you next week, like I said, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you then. So thank you for listening.